Just in the prayer meeting, I was reminded of a very, very well-known uh, verse of Scripture, which I think just really helps as I get, launch into what I want to bring this morning. Um, so thanks, Ashley, for bringing it up. Verse, uh, chapter 11 of Luke, very famous. Um, verse 9, so I say to you, ask. It's a present and continuous thing there in the Greek. Ask and go on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Keep on asking, keep on knocking. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And uh, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 9 it says, How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and life in the Spirit. Uh, we've been looking through, we're bouncing through uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, looking at this letter, making all sorts of discoveries. And uh, I want to just come into chapter 12. In fact, I'm going to draw down on, uh, on the next couple of chapters. But chapter 12, verse 1, starts this way. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters... I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant, some verses say. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages, to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines." Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one Spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many." And then Paul goes into the very famous set of verses which describes all the parts of the body working together. And the key point that he's making in the next verses is that every part is valuable. Every part is needed. Every part. 
And at the end of the description of the body and its various parts, he then picks up the subject of division, which was a really big issue in Corinth. And we've highlighted that already. And in verse 25, he says, So there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. One part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? I'm reliably informed the way the original Greek is written there. The clear answer is no. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Then we enter chapter 13. Where he picks up on this famous theme of the most excellent way, which is love. It's a chapter that's often read, as you know, at weddings. Um, uh, but actually the context here is the use of spiritual gifts. And so he says, I will show you the most excellent way. Chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then the famous verse is, love is patient, love is kind, and so on. I want to drop down to chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love. And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people. For their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. The one who prophesies edifies the church. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. And he then goes on in more detail about tongues or languages, which I'll come back to in a moment. But if you remember nothing else today, I want to urge you to remember chapter 14, verse 12. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. Try to build up. Excel in the gifts that build up the church. This is key. Remember the verse that we uh, quoted last week, chapter 14, verse 26? What shall we say then, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. That's 1426. 
And here's another key phrase that underlines this again back in chapter 12 and verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The presence, the gifts, the power of the Holy Spirit will be shown, will be on display in a variety of different ways in the life of the body, of each person in the body. But what is so important for us to hear uh, every time we think about this subject, it's not to puff up or put the individual on display, but it is for the good of all. First and foremost, the gifts that I have are not for me. They're not for me, they're for others. It's not a gift to make me feel good or nice It's for others. It's for the common good. The Holy Spirit wants to give you gifts that will build and bless the body and enable you and us to reach others. Do I get an amen for that? (laughs) Now, I believe that's why he starts this section, chapter 12, verse 1, by saying, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Or some translations say, I don't want you to be ignorant. We've already discovered, Greg led us wonderfully some weeks ago from chapter 12, that, uh, chapter 2, that Paul saw life in the Holy Spirit as vital to his ministry and vital to their life together as a body. Now he also wants to make it very clear that the gifts of the Spirit are also vital to their life together. Now sadly, some branches of the church have not seen the vital importance of this. In fact, they have even taught that these things are not for today. That was certainly my upbringing and my experience. When my mum was uh, started to speak in tongues as she was flooded and filled with the Holy Spirit while she was walking the dog uh, by the river in the early 80s. The elders of our then church told her that she had a demon and she needed deliverance. So cessationists, as they're sometimes called, argue that God only gave these miraculous gifts of the Spirit to people in the early years of the church to authenticate, if you like, his messengers, to to give a stamp of authentication until the New Testament was completed. Their biggest concern, and I understand this, it's it's a very important concern, their biggest concern has always been that if people can prophesy and work miracles today, then the the final authority of Scripture is somehow going to be compromised. Now, I I don't want to get into, I'm not going to get into all the arguments uh, of what is in the background today, but to say this, just for a moment, if the cessationists were right, then we ought to find at least one specific Bible verse warning us that the gifts, if you like, were just temporary tools to get the first church going. But you won't find any verse like that. Even if you take me to a verse that says, uh, the imperfect is passing away, I agree. But it says, when the perfection comes, when Christ returns, is the context. 
There aren't verses really that warn us this is no longer for us. However, there are many verses, including the ones we've read today, which tell us that we should expect, in fact, Paul says, eagerly desire the gifts to be used and encouraged until Jesus returns. If you remember the very first verse that we read, one of the first verses we read, right at the start of the series, when we were still in coats and beanies um, some weeks ago uh, here, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, he says to them, can I just remind you, this is in spite of all their sin and all their mess that we highlighted, the state that they were in, this is what he says to them, verse 7 of chapter 1, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So that was his commendation even for this church with all its challenges. And so we and many, many hundreds of thousands of churches like ours around the world are convinced that the gifts, the life, the power of the Holy Spirit is to be known, to be felt, to be experienced in every part of our life today. For our common good, for the strengthening of the body and the empowering of our witness to the world. And it's interesting, we thank God. Sometimes we feel like there's more, there's more for us to push into and we keep doing that. And even again this morning, such a just a sense again of the Spirit's presence with us, God the Holy Spirit with us as we press in, as we lift up the name of Jesus. And I know that there have been some who've come in amongst us, even recently. Maybe you're a visitor yourself here today. But there's others who've come in. And I know I've had conversations and people have said to me, there's something here, what is it? And it's such a joy and a privilege to say it's not a thing. It's a who. <laughs> it's the person, uh, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And what does he do? He reveals Jesus. He leads us into truth. And so that's why we want to keep pressing on and laying hold of the more that God has for us. So I want to push in a little bit more into one area in particularly, uh, particular, and then God willing, Ashley is going to hone in on another area uh, next week. Let me just read those first verses again from 1 Corinthians 14. <clears throat> Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies, builds themselves up. But the one who prophesies edifies, builds up the church. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongue, unless they interpret so that someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, there is a lot that we could say about all of these gifts, and uh, God willing, in weeks and months to come, we'll draw out different things in different ways. But we recognize, and Ashley and I were just talking about this, that over the years there's been a considerable amount of controversy, confusion, misunderstanding, particularly about tongues, languages, and prophecy. 
So I'm just going to pick up for a few moments today uh, on the subject of tongues, and God willing, Ashley's going to pick up on prophecy, look at prophecy next week. What is interesting is this. Now, having started this section with a strong commendation about prophecy ahead of tongue speaking, Paul then spends the next 14 verses uh, talking about how to speak and not to speak in languages. So he, he starts with prophecy and commends it, and then he says, now, and he does this whole piece on this subject. See, Paul's problem is this. It's not with the gift of languages in itself. He reminds them in verse 18, chapter 14, he speaks in tongues more than all of them. His problem is with the self-indulgent use of languages in public meetings, without interpretation, without regard to unbelievers or those not used to church, without consideration for the rest of the church. We're reminded again that the key purpose of the use of all gifts is about the body being edified, being built up, strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. It's not to parade our spirituality. Look how good I am. Now, the, the challenge is for some of us, we can go, oh, well, I'm not going to use any of the gifts then because I don't want to parade my spirituality. It's not about, uh, you know, I must decrease, he must increase. It's a good heart. But Paul is not saying, don't use them. What he's saying is, how do you use them and where's your heart? Where's your heart? That's, that's the key. So please don't anybody say, oh, I'm not going to use it because um, I'm parading my spirituality. No, that's not what I'm saying. Is we check our hearts. Now, of course, gifts can't be edifying. They can't feed us um, if they're intelligible, unintelligible. Um, you or I might be having a great time, particularly if we're speaking in tongues, but if nobody understands a word we're saying, to quote the Apostle Paul, you'll just be speaking into the air. Now, the subject of the content and interpretation of these languages is one of great debate. You'll be pleased to hear I'm not going to go into the entirety of that debate today. But the Greek word glossa has almost always been translated tongues. But it can sound a bit old-fashioned, even maybe to some a bit spooky, a bit weird. Actually, languages is a perfectly acceptable translation. In fact, the background to it um, is... It's different types of languages. Um, and so, in some ways, that word, I think, languages, can be helpful in gaining a better understanding of what's going on. Now, I do want to just say there is some debate uh, in the theological world that can sometimes be around, is this an angelic or heavenly language? Uh, or is it a known language somewhere in the world, whether that be modern, somewhere in the world, or whether that be historical, a language that maybe was spoken a long time ago but has been lost? I might leave you to decide, because um, you can get into quite a debate about this, but what we do know is this. Let's always come to the Bible for some answers. Acts chapter 2, you remember? When the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it says they began to speak in other tongues or languages 
as the Spirit enabled them, just stop there a minute, focus on me rather than the words. I want to say this, it's Spirit enabled. So um, we can say Spirit enabled languages, but sometimes that's a bit of a mouthful, which is why sometimes we just say tongues, or we might say languages. But it's Spirit enabled so we, we want to uh, recognize that people have been born again, they've surrendered their lives to Christ, and they've welcomed the Holy Spirit to fill them. And the Spirit is then enabling them with these, these gifts. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. And so that's what we're, we're looking for. So they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. But then, of course, it goes on to say... Uh, that there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. Some people from all over <coughs> excuse me, the then-known world. They came together in bewilderment. Why? Because each one heard their own language being spoken. How astonishing is that? Acts 2 verse 7, utterly amazed. I'm not surprised. <laughs> They're, partly they're amazed because aren't all these speaking Galileans, I mean, they're not known for their intellect, the Galileans. They're known for fishing and farming. <laughs> aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Native language. Do you know what? My mind immediately goes to Revelation. There before the throne, every tongue and tribe, that word ethne, Every language, not just the big languages, but the language groups, the people groups of the world. Every tribe and tongue before the throne. Worthy is the Lamb. I'm off on one now. <laughs> Each one heard them. Heard them in their own language. What did they hear? Declaring the wonders of God in our own language. How glorious. I mean, I'd love to have been there. I love it when uh, we sometimes uh, in regions beyond we have many nations that are part of our family of churches and we've been in situations, haven't we, when they say, come on, somebody pray in another language and you get people all praying in different languages. Just glorious. I think there's a, there's a picture here of what is going on. Now, I, I personally experienced a very small illustration of this some years ago, my, my previous church in Swindon. I prayed out in a tongue, a language, one Sunday morning during the worship. And after the meeting, uh, a young Asian lady brought her mother to see me. And she said, her mother was just in tears. And she said that her mother had understood what I was saying. Uh, and that I was giving thanks to God the Father for his love. And she told me some of the words. I mean, it was astonishing. In preparing for today, I, I came across the story of someone praying, again, similarly, out in a, in a tongue, in a church that, in fact, Justine, who's out with the children, it was her church where she came from in Wimbledon. And uh, this, uh, a Punjabi member of the church uh, came and told the leaders afterwards that she clearly understood it to be one of her local languages. So I don't know about you, but my brain immediately goes, so does that mean I need to learn <laughs> all the languages of the world to bring an interpretation? Or Mark, does that mean that when you hear someone pray out in a tongue, like uh, we heard so wonderfully this morning, do you hear it in another language? Um, how can I build up and edify the body by being an interpretation if I don't 
know the language. Now, I don't believe we have to start learning lots of languages. However, if you ever hear somebody pray in your language and, and you recognize that it is a tongue, please bring the interpretation because that would be, or it's a language you speak. And interpretation is not quite the same thing as translation. Some of us have been in situations with translation. I've had the privilege, particularly in various African cultures, to speak with a translator. But even then, they're not necessarily taking my words like for like. Um, but it, it, they're slightly different. The way I would put it is this, that the interpreter, here is a key, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it's a spiritual gift. So the gift of interpretation is a spiritual gift. To deliver the gist, that doesn't feel a very spiritual word. Perhaps a better word is the heart of what the tongue speaker has said. So potentially it might be a bit longer, it might be a bit shorter, depending on what that person feels that they've received from the Holy Spirit. I, I prayed about this and I said, Lord, I, I want to just reflect on this and talk about this and you can't make, we're not in the business of making gifts happen, where you invite them, we look for them. But it was so wonderful that Mike brought a tongue this morning. Um, and then Steve, I, I, I just want to say, as Mike was speaking, what was going on in your head and your heart? Were, were you hearing something? Was something getting stirred? Can you put it into words as you started? Yeah. Yeah. And it went on, it was uh, it felt more and more real. Yeah. I felt an extremely Yeah. I'm gonna to come to that in a minute. I don't know if you all heard Steve, but Steve said he felt this truth. There were truths welling up inside of him as Mike was speaking, and then he he was brave enough to, to give them out, and then as he gave them out, more came. And I think uh, Angus was doing some of that. But I also think Angus was praying personally as he's inspired by the Spirit. He's stirred and he's feeling himself rejoicing in God and giving thanks to God. And I know that as I was listening to Mike, um, and I want to just push into this a little bit, the word I got as Mike began straight away was this word salvation. Salvation. That's what, that's what I heard. Now, this is not a science. It's not an exact science. And some of you may be going, this is a bit weird, and isn't this all made up? No, we want to glorify Jesus. And we want to build one another up. So therefore, as we speak, as we've heard there, to God in thanksgiving, others of you are able to say, just like you're doing now, Amen and Hallelujah. There are times when I've heard the gift of interpretation of a tongue and what it's done in my spirit has just lifted me and I've gone, yes! Then we got it. <laughs> we got it because he's getting the glory. And if even sometimes I might say to you afterwards, who brought that tongue, who brought the interpretation? Oh, I don't know, I can't remember. That doesn't matter. But that, that's the attitude and that's the heart. My experience, and I think with Steve there as well, is that often I will get a simple phrase. The gift of uh, languages, spiritual languages and tongues and interpretation is a really big thing for me because I came from such an anti-Holy Spirit and anti-gifts background. I really had to personally lay hold of God and to understand because I'd been taught it was all gone and not for today. 
So I had to get myself into God's Word as a young man and dig into it. And I had other good friends who helped me in this. And I really laid hold of it. And so I've got faith for the gift of interpretation as well. I really have. I believe it. I believe for it. And if it's something you'd love to do, I'm very happy to pray for you about it. But my experience is this. I often get maybe a word, a couple of words. I'm listening to what that person is saying And later on it says, but we don't empty our minds. Paul says, I pray with my mind and I pray with my spirit. This is not worldly meditation that is emptying. This is biblical meditation that is filling. (laughs) We're filling ourselves with truth. We're filling ourselves with the word of God. My challenge usually is I don't get loads and loads of words. I just get a couple of words and then I have to be brave and start saying them. And as I do, I often find God gives me more. The the challenge then is not to get into the flesh, but to stay in the spirit and stop when God says stop. And don't don't keep waffling. Um, That's a good tip, isn't it? When we're hot and it's quarter to twelve. Okay. It's not a science. It's a spiritual gift. What I would generally expect is this. Paul says in chapter 14, verse 2, is that it will be to God, as opposed to the prophetic, which is from God. And I would also generally expect that it would be in praise, in worship, in thanksgiving. Yes, it it might describe something of his nature, his character, something of his attributes. Quite possibly that will be the case. But again, I would generally expect, based on these verses from Paul as much as anywhere else, that it would come as a personal expression of thanksgiving to God for the revelation that he has given to that person by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Shall I say that phrase again? I would generally expect that it would come as a personal expression of thanksgiving to God for the revelation that's been given to that person by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are times when uh, I've been in situations, and some more than others, where a tongue will come and then somebody will say, I believe the Lord is saying... Now, if we're not going to have any distinction between tongues and prophecy, then... Fine, but there is clearly a distinction. There's tongue, interpretation, and there's prophecy. Ashley will wonderfully, I know, share that with us next week. But does that mean, therefore, that interpretation can't be prophetic? No, it's about revelation. And it's about revelation that builds and strengthens and encourages and comforts. So I would generally expect it to come in the, I thank you, Father, that you have revealed to me. However deep that might go in terms of revelation of his nature and character, it's a a thanksgiving to God, whereas prophecy is from God. As Paul says in a couple of places, this is what I teach in this church. (laughs) Okay, so that's my position and that's what I would teach. worth noting that Paul does seem to say that the person speaking in language needs to be at least ready to bring that interpretation or to have a real sense that it might be, there might be someone else there ready and able to bring it. It doesn't mean that you have to bring the interpretation if you brought a tongue, but there's a willingness in your own spirit, but you're also praying that there will be others. 
And I want to say to you that when I'm in the room, I certainly have faith. doesn't mean I always have the interpretation, but I have faith for interpretation. And I know there is others. I'm sure Elizabeth won't mind me pointing her out, but I think she's someone who's got faith for that interpretation. Um, her dad prayed the other week wonderfully, and you prayed that interpretation. And I just loved it. Um, there will be others. Otherwise, the body will not be built up, won't, won't be edified. So verse 16, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider or someone who doesn't understand, they're not regularly amongst God's people, say amen to your thanksgiving when they don't know what they are saying, what you are saying? Paul says, verse 17, you may well be giving thanks well enough, but the other person or people are not built up. So, what do we, is it me or is it warm in here? <laughs> okay, I'm coming into land. You'll be pleased to hear. We can all go stand outside. <laughs> what do we conclude from all this? Literally, I've got a couple of paragraphs, all right? <laughs> what do we conclude from all this? Why spend so much time on, on it when there are so many other gifts? Uh, and, and even Paul seems, when he seems to rank them, uh, he seems to rank it, you know, fairly low down. Why are we spending so much time? Well, I want to say this, partly because it is mysterious, and perhaps because of that, it's been quite controversial over the years. So I, we felt it was right to bring clarity. But also because, uh, verse 5, Paul says, I'd love all of you to speak in tongues. So he's clearly a campaign, you know, promoter. And because then right at the end of the section, which I, I did jump a, a bit on, there's so much we could pull out, but verse 39, far from prohibiting it, Paul specifically commanded them not to forbid speaking in tongues. So if he prized the gift so highly, and he gives 14 verses in discussion of it, uh, he refused to forbid it even among the disorderly Corinthians, then we should definitely not neglect it in our own prayer life and worship, both in private and in public. But I think, perhaps above all else, that very important to hear uh, verse 4. The person who speaks in tongues edifies themselves, feeds themselves, strengthens, builds themselves. If an interpretation is brought in a good and right way, it will also build and feed and edify the church. Don't we need the things that feed us? Don't we need the things that build us up? Certainly I know this, just speaking very personally, there have been moments, perhaps some of the most significant, challenging, hard, stressful, difficult. I thank God for the gift of languages that he's given me that has enabled my spirit to commune with God's spirit. When I run out of words to quote Paul in another letter, when I don't know what to pray, I begin to pray in, in a language. My spirit, and I, I let my spirit, but I don't empty my mind. I fill my mind with truth. I think of truth. I sometimes look at truth. I have psalms. I'll sing it, but I find myself going, it edifies me. It builds me up. And don't we need those things? So that, for that reason, perhaps alone, we would commend it. My spirit, communing with God's spirit, Romans 8, 16. I don't empty my mind, 
Far from it. Paul says, I will pray with my spirit. I will pray with my mind. I'll fill my mind with truth and scripture. I will sing with my spirit and sing with my mind. I've gone through seasons where sometimes I've picked up the Psalms and I'll take some of them and I'll just sing them in my own little, little tune. I'll just sing them through. But then I'll find myself just going in uh, to singing, as it were, in tongues before the Lord as my spirit is singing. I was reminded, just as I come towards the close, that I was preparing, um, as I was preparing uh, for today, one of the founding leaders of Swindon Church, my son-in-law's grandfather, a lovely man of God called Brian Kill, later in life he had a number of strokes. It affected his speech, as you will well know, sometimes it does, but also his comprehension, his ability to find the right words, and so on. I often used to meet with Brian uh, and used to pray with him. And uh, I, this is the thing that would happen. I found that if I prayed with him or over him, and I began to pray in the spiritual language, and a supernatural peace and like a calm, his whole demeanor, his face, his body would change. But what was even more amazing was this is a man who could barely put two or three words together he would begin to pray in tongues fluently, no stumbling, <laughs> no stuttering, no battle for words. He just would be fluent. It was astonishing. He was a man who absolutely believed. He had a very much strong Pentecostal background. He helped to plant Swindon Family Church, became Gateway Church at Swindon. But he was a man who believed in the gift of the Spirit. He was a man who would always pray for anyone. He said, you want prayer? I'll pray for you. And the Spirit is still at work. The body's breaking down. It's, it's crumbling. But the Spirit is there. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand? Um, Hannah, would you help us? But Steve, you can come as well. Just, just something musically just to help us. This unusual subject, you may have heard lots of sermons on this or this is the first sermon you've ever heard. I pray it's been helpful. I pray that it will spark good, godly conversation. I just feel we've got a few moments here now. Mike prayed in the prayer meeting really powerfully, not just about this gift, but about all the gifts. And uh, Ashley really picked it up and that verse that we began with, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will your heavenly Father give gifts of the Spirit, Matthew, to those who ask? And that comes on that famous verse, ask, seek, keep on asking. Maybe for some of you said, I love this gift, that gift. The Lord loves to give us gifts. I want to encourage you. Have you stopped asking? Start asking again. If you want to come and stand at the front, maybe look for prayer for others. I'd love to pray for you. I'm sure Ashley, others will come and pray. I'd love Mike to pray. He's got faith for tongues. He can come and pray for you. But just before the Lord... If you've not received the gift of tongues and you'd love to, I want to encourage you, ask the Lord. 
Ask him to give it to you. Just use these moments of prayer and praise, even now, just to quietly, just begin in English. Use your mind, don't empty your mind. And as you run out of English, just keep looking to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Maybe there's other gifts. Did you hear that gift of administration? That's for some of you. Gift of helps. There's many gifts. They're not just limited to a couple of lists. There's many gifts. Wisdom, discernment, insight, healing, faith. Prophecy, we'll hear about that next week. If you have received the gift of tongues, I want to say to you, use it often. Even now, in the worship, just not so much publicly, although that's how the Lord leads, but just stir up the gift in the worship. Let the, let the ambient sound of the worship enable you and release you freshly into into it. Exercise it like a spiritual muscle. Use it in your own times privately. Walk and talk with the Lord. I love walking. I love to get out. Just begin to pray. and Pray in tongues. Pray in English. Be open to using it publicly. Be ready for that to be interpreted. If you're not sure the interpretation's there, then Paul says keep silent. Let's press into the more. Just as he were, these guys, just begin to lead us. Let's just be before the Lord. Just want to say, I want to ask you, encourage you, have an expectancy now. God is here to bless us. He's a good father, wants to give good gifts. So we say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. You might want to whisper that in your own heart right now. Holy Spirit, I welcome you I welcome you Holy Spirit lead me to Jesus reveal truth Holy Spirit we welcome you come Lord come and fill us just pray even now thank you for these gifts Thank you for these languages that we can speak to you. Thank you for languages that will build and strengthen and encourage others as we give glory to you. Help us as we give glory to you. Let's just give glory to the Lord. Let's take some moments. Lord.